Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is kind of an interesting one for Staff Picks. This is one of my rare forays into the world of documentaries, where we pick something that's not an actual fictional fictional movie and go into a documentary instead. And the one we will be going into today is the 1977 bodybuilding documentary, Pumping Iron, which is uh, fairly well known, but I don't feel it's known by enough people because there's some really, really cool, interesting character study about one of the most famous actors of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I really want to get into this movie because it's one that I've been a fan of for years, and I just want to talk about it with somebody. So we'll be talking about Pumping Iron here. And my guest today is a fun one. Uh, she has been on the show before. She did a horror movie a couple years ago called uh, Who Can Kill a Child? This really obscure Spanish horror movie. And I found out later that she knows a lot about the world of bodybuilding because she has dated many bodybuilders over the years. And she actually knows a lot of people who were involved in this movie, Pumping Iron. So I've been dying to get her back on the show so we could talk about it and just talk about the legend of Arnold Schwarzenegger here. So uh, before we get too far into it, welcome back to the show, Lizzie Swanson. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I have to say, you have the greatest accent of any of my hosts ever on Staff Pick. So welcome back. Why, thank you. <laughs> so tell people a little bit about yourself. Why, why on earth I ended up with you on this movie of all movies? Yes, you know, a mild teacher who's going to talk about bodybuilding. Um, like you said, I have dated and known bodybuilders. Um, I did gymnastics when I was younger. So knowing about the physical body, it also did a lot of, um, I had contemplated personally thinking about going to the female aspect of bodybuilding, but it became a turnoff after a point. But I really love bodybuilding and the physique and the willpower it takes to transform yourself into this you know sculptural you know being that's you know practically a superhero in looks <laughs> yeah i i will say that's a 180 degrees different from my wife's opinion when she watches pumping iron she watched this movie with me today and she's like oh gross <laughs> no 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 the the physical form at its peak is like like it's like superheroes like i loved comics growing up so, I mean, I wanted to be an X-Men, but you can't be an X-Men. But to have a body that looks like one, that's attainable. Well, okay. So you, so you, everybody can attain Arnold Schwarzenegger's physique is what you're saying? With determination, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the point of the movie, correct? Oh, 100%. Um, it's more of a docudrama than a documentary in that um, being that um, they had initially tried to have a subplot with Bud Court from Harold and Ma that you love, where Arnold was going to train, you know, a weakling to become, you know, the Charles Atlas of the world. But that didn't happen. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's delve into this a little bit for people who have never seen Pumping Iron. So I'll give a little overview. So. 
Pumping Iron is a documentary of the 1975 Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competition where Arnold Schwarzenegger is defending his title. He is the greatest bodybuilder of all time. He's defending his title for his sixth consecutive win. And it's really the story of a bunch of upstarts coming in and trying to knock him off his throne. And Arnold is having none of that. Yes. Perfect, perfect summary. <laughs> yeah. And again, if, you, if you've seen Arnold, if you know Arnold in the 80s and 90s, this is not the same Arnold. Arnold's a little less polished here back in the 70s. Would you say that? Oh, 100%. This person is bombastic and a total egomaniac. And... And doesn't censor what he says versus an Arnold who, you know, is trying to have a, a certain appeal and a persona that will get him further in life. 70s Arnold is more like all talk. He's a bit of a bastard, I think we would say. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I remember seeing this movie. Again, I don't really care. I'm not like Lizzie. I don't really care about bodybuilding. I have no interest in this. <laughs> But I remember seeing this movie like in the, two, the early 2000s. I'd never really gone to the effort to seek it out before. And I'm like, oh, my God, Arnold is so amazing in this movie. Mm. Yeah, it was a similar time that I saw it. It was early 2000s. I mean, I wasn't, you know, finding this in the 80s and 90s. Um, but, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, here we go. This is how I always sum up this movie to people. If, if you want to see a movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger bullies a disabled kid, there you mm -hmm. go. That's the movie. That's, a, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so let's go into this a little bit. So like you said, bodybuilding was kind of a freak, freak show back in the early 70s. It wasn't really widely known or respected. Arnold is kind of the guy who made it mainstream. Is that kind of an accurate history? No, I would say it goes further back with Charles Atlas and, you know, think of even older, like turn of the 20th century with, you know, circuses and freak shows with the strong man. Mm -hmm. Bodybuilding has always been, you know, an outlier as far as physical competitions. And then during the, the 40s and 50s, you get like Charles Atlas and it's in the back of the magazines and the comic books. You know, you're going to send away, you're going to get the booklet and the pamphlet. And, you know, any little scrawny kid can, you know, exercise and eat right and then, you know, become, you know, a strong muscle man. And then by the 70s, you they there there's specific magazines that there weren't previously. So it's, it was becoming much more mainstream. But Hollywood was cashing in on these physical specimens who pretty much couldn't really act because all they were was just, you know, body, no brains. Cause you'll, you'll hear that when these fellas talk. Yeah. But Arnold, Arnold was the big name here though. Oh yes. Cause he was like six time Mr. Universe. You know, he, he was the champion King of the Hill. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's the context we're trying to put you in. If you watch this movie, this is Arnold as the biggest bodybuilder in the world, or maybe not the biggest. We'll talk about that in a second. The greatest bodybuilder in the world and the big name. They even refer to him in the movie as the one and only. So he's already larger than life as this movie goes along. Mm -hmm. Now. Yeah. So like you said, this movie was originally, they were trying to introduce bodybuilding, uh, competitive bodybuilding to a mainstream audience. They hired Bud Court from Harold and Maude. They wanted Arnold to train him. Now, have you seen the footage of Arnold actually training him? 
Yes, actually, there's some of it on the um, the anniversary edition DVD, um, Raw Iron. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just wasn't working out because like Bud Court felt like it wasn't a good fit for him because it, it it takes determination, you know, a lot a lot of sweat and tears. <laughs> and probably many years. And people who have known Bud Court know he is not a large muscular individual. No, no, no. Because like my first mental image of him is Harold and Maude. So like. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, I've seen some of the footage of him working out with Arnold, and he still looks like Harold and Maude, even after working out. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Bud Court was probably not ever going to be a competitive bodybuilder. Anabolic steroids. Help. <laughs> yeah, maybe Maude. Maude could have got him some steroids. Yeah. Yes. Not going to tarnish so much the name of bodybuilding, but um, older competitions heavily relied on the steroids. You couldn't get away from it, so... Although there was a plot twist that people don't remember, that Bud Court was later a 10-time Mr. Olympia winner. That is crazy. <laughs> now, so anyway, Bud Court, they hired this scrawny little actor to work with Arnold, and it just wasn't working out. Like, the Bud Court was like, realized, this isn't working. I don't want to do this. He pulled out. So they basically refocused the entire documentary on Arnold in his quest to defend Mr. Olympia for the sixth time. Yeah, well, the second subplot was Arnold as the hero, and then one of the later characters, Lou Ferrigno, as the villain. <laughs> but then even after filming the later footage with Lou, they had to switch it a, a third time, whereas Lou is an underdog, and Arnold's now the villain. <laughs> so there was just so much shuffling going on. Yeah, there's been some uh, some controversy over the years, how accurate this documentary actually is. I know some things were... Oh, trash. What was that? It's trash? Because Arnold lies so many times. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Arnold, yeah, Arnold straight up lies in this documentary a lot of times. But you can make the argument that says Arnold just knew what would make a better story. So he's just giving the, the filmmakers what they want. Oh, yes. He, he's just, you know, upping the drama a little bit. <laughs> okay, we'll get into this. Again, it's a very simple story. It's, uh, have you ever seen the documentary The King of Kong about the Donkey Kong video game championships? Oh, yeah. I've watched every video game one, but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I was going to say, this reminds me of The King of Kong, where basically Arnold is Billy Mitchell. He's the one. He's the establishment, the established star. You got this <laughs> new guy, Lou Ferrigno, coming up. Nobody wants Lou to win because Arnold represents the entire sport. It's, it does remind me of The King of Kong a lot. Oh, I d definitely agree. Okay, so there you go. If people don't care about bodybuilding, but they like the King of Kong, it's very similar. Plus, you get to see Arnold be an absolute bastard to a disabled kid. <laughs> okay, so let's go over our stars here. There's really only, I mean, there's four or five stars in the movie, but the main two are Arnold and Lou. Let's talk about the other ones. You got a... Uh... There's um, Franco Colombo from Sardinia, Italy. Um, there's the other two underdog Americans, um, Mike Katz and Mike Waller. And then, of course, Lou Ferrigno. Okay, well, we'll get into these names. Again, Lizzie knows way more about this than I do. I want to start talking about the opening theme song. Okay, we can talk about the theme song, but there's one thing I wanted to say before we even get into the movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger and how smart this guy is. <laughs> yeah, just because I don't think people are aware of the level of how insanely smart Arnold Schwarzenegger really is. Oh, yeah, he's calculated in every move he made. Here's my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger story I've ever heard that, you know, he wanted to come to America. He wanted to make it here, be a big bodybuilder, be a big movie star, be rich. So he comes to America and he wins all these bodybuilding titles. 
but I remember hearing he was already a millionaire before he even started bodybuilding just in real estate, how much money he made in real estate in the U.S. just right after moving here. That's crazy. Good on, good on him. Yeah, so that's the story I always like telling people. Like, you think he became big from being an actor. He was already a millionaire within like a couple of years just because he's so smart with real estate. That's that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. Did not know that. Thank you for that little bit of tidbit. That's right. And that, and he eventually became my state's governor. So there you go. Yes. And if I had lived in California, even though he was a Republican, I probably would have voted for him too. <laughs> I just love the fact that we had a guy we could call the governator. I thought that was so cool. Oh, I know. That, that was such a, a cheesy time for, you know, <laughs> for TV and jokes. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's the, the history behind this movie. If you want to know anything about Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I personally think is the most fascinating celebrity that has ever lived in my lifetime or ever will live, you have to watch Pumping Iron. This is absolute must-see movie for anybody who knows anything about Arnold, right? Yes, agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, and again, he is the villain in this one, which makes him so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get into the opening documentary. Again, this is a very short hour 20 documentary. It's on Amazon Prime. You can go find it. It's it's free to watch if you have Prime. It's really well done, even if you're like my wife and hate bodybuilding and think it's the weirdest thing ever. It's such a cool little character study. And with that, we'll go right into the opening theme song that Lizzie will lead us into. So it's this really cheesy song called Pumping Iron by Michael Small, and it has this 70s feel of both a porno and an after-school special to it <laughs> so it's encouraging you to you know pump iron and get big like your father and it, it like i said the, the porno quality totally derails the empowering message of the lyrics <laughs> and it just plays over and over again it inundates you. Yeah. It's one of those things like previously in the last podcast we did together, there was a song that gets stuck with you, mm -hmm. the, the lullaby. And so, again, I'm stuck with a, a creepy song. <laughs> yeah, that song is so funny because it doesn't fit the movie. It's so corny and cheesy. And they play like uh, footage of like old 50s bodybuilders like rolling around and stuff. Yeah, it looks so stupid because it has nothing to do with the rest of this movie. No, no. And they don't even talk about Charles Atlas. <laughs> Well, okay, so we get into the back history of this documentary. They they raised all these funds to do a documentary about the world of bodybuilding, which I think the 70s is still called the golden age of bodybuilding, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So they were trying to popularize the thing that was becoming very popular, and and they the movie went through several iterations where they're trying different things, and they always ran out of money. They kept trying to refinance it. So, yeah, perhaps the finished product and the song don't fit together. Agreed. They don't fit together. Okay, so the movie opens with, we see Arnold and his buddy Franco Colombo. They're like posing with a ballerina, working on flexibility. Yes, they're taking um, body movement lessons from a ballet teacher. And it's 100% contrived. It doesn't make any sense why you would open with this. Wait a minute, even as a former dancer, you don't see the, the relevance here? I do understand the relevance of posing and lengthening the arm and how your body looks at different angles but to open with this i feel like this should have been later on in the film okay well, i can see that because yeah this 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 would explain later because arnold goes into a big monologue later about how posing is so important perhaps we would have wanted to see the scene later oh yeah and we don't even know who franco colombo is at this point it's just arnold and some tiny fella 
who are playing with a ballerina. Okay, now you told me before this podcast started that you know, you've met Franco Colombo, you actually know some of the people. Met him years ago before he died, yes. Okay, so we'll fill people in on the story. So Arnold, at this point, this is 1975, biggest bodybuilder in history. Everyone knows him, big star. He's got a little sidekick, like his best friend, Franco Colombo, who basically is like half Arnold's size. Not even, I mean, the man had to be like 5'2 when I met him. I'm 5'6" tiny fella <laughs> you towered over franco colombo yeah oh yeah except for the fact that he's much wider than me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i was even taller than him okay so yeah so arnold and franco and they will kind of be a team in this movie and they were like a team in real life because they were like best friends if i recall correct yes they both come arnold came to california to, to venice beach and then he you know, encouraged his friend to come from Italy because they had met in Germany in the in the bodybuilding competitions there. And um, Venice Beach, you know, with the Gold's Gym was just the, the 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 mecca for bodybuilding in America at the time. And they were able to, you know, do so much and get followers and fan, fans, the original like influencers for Venice Beach, if you would say, think of it that way. Yeah, that's a good point, because I live in California. I've been to Venice Beach many times for People who don't know, that really is the mecca of bodybuilding in the U.S. At least it used to be. I don't know if it still is. Still is. But they still have, yeah, Gold's Gym is still there. That's where Arnold trained. Outside, there's a big outdoor bodybuilding area where the guys just stand there and work out. And right next to that are the basketball courts from White Men Can't Jump. So it's a nice little mecca. <laughs> it's a fun place to go. Have you ever been there? Uh, yes. One time, um, one of the first times we came to America, we, during the OJ trials, uh, we came to California. <laughs> Well, I'm glad the OJ trial provided some good publicity for our state. Yes, yeah, well, well we weren't there for OJ. We were there for Disneyland, but um, <laughs> we went all up and down the state. Yeah, Venice Beach, a really historic place. It's a fun place to go if you're a tourist. And the movie opens. It's really the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're going to learn about him for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Kind of give people a history of Arnold and his backstory, how he became Mr. Olympia. Um, how he became Mr. Olympia, I'm not really sure, other than the fact that he worked hard and won. Okay, well, okay, let's explain what Mr. Olympia is. This is important to people. So, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Mr. Universe and then Mr. Olympia, right? Yes, Mr. Universe is the IFBB um, top competition for um, professional bodybuilders. But then there's also um, Mr. Universe, which is for amateurs. So the difference between amateur and professionals is professional gets prize money, amateurs don't, but the, nowadays they get endorsements. Okay, yeah, and this is a big deal in the movie because Mr. Universe is the top amateur bodybuilding championship. You get Mr. Universe, and then they decided, hey, let's have a competition with all the former Mr. Universes, so you have to win Mr. Universe to go into Mr. Olympia, right? Correct, yes. Okay, and... My wife wanted me to make sure I brought up this point on the podcast. She said, point out on the podcast that these are really just beauty contests. These aren't like, they're not like who can lift the most weight. It's not like the Olympics. It's just a, basically a beauty contest. Yeah, it's not like the Olympics and it's not like um, strongman challenges, uh, which is a whole other competition itself. This is 100% like your wife said, it's a beauty competition. Like who has the best physique? whose, you know, abs are the most defined, whose pecs are the largest, um, definition of, you know, the thighs and the arms, because all of the, the symmetry of it all has to be taken into account. 
Yeah, and that's a very important word in this movie. It comes up a lot. Symmetry, proportion. It's not just who has the biggest muscles. It's, that, it's basically who looks the most like a sculpture would look like, right? Correct, yes. More like Adonis. Okay, and so the first part of this movie is Arnold basically explaining this. And these all these candid interviews with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's only, what, 20, 25, 26? How old is he? 28? 28, yeah. So Arnold's a very young man still, or a fairly young man here, and he just sits down for interviews and explains why bodybuilding's a big deal. And this is where, at the start, we get uh, <laughs> probably the most famous Arnold quote of them all. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Coming day and night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you're comfortable explaining this one, I will let you go into this one. Okay, explain this scene to people. Arnold is telling the interviewer, uh, the director, that when you get a pump, when you're doing, you know, a certain amount of reps and the blood is flowing and the, the muscles are constricting, it's the equivalent, you know, of having an orgasm. And so he's like, I'm the luckiest man in the world. He's like, I get an orgasm at the gym and then I get an, it's like coming at the gym and it's like coming at home and it's like coming at this on stage in front of the audience. I'm the luckiest man. And he says these words <laughs> in the film. He's coming all the time, day and night. Our future governator. Yes, but I have to agree with him. Having done bodybuilding, that I've had corgasms, I've had running, similar euphoric feelings. So I know exactly what he's talking about, and it is a really good endorphin rush, <laughs> and you don't want to lose it. <laughs> okay, but that's yeah, that's one of the quotes I want people to take away from this movie if you've never seen it. It's Arnold talking about how. The pump of lifting weights is basically like coming. And he's, yeah, very excited to explain this to us. As you should be. It's almost as excited as I was to explain it. Well, I mean, it's I get the same feeling when I'm doing staff picks. I'm coming every day when I do staff picks. I'm so excited to talk about movies. There you go. <laughs> so Arnold, right off the bat, in ten, within the first 10 minutes, talks about how how often he orgasms when he's posing and pumping. He's very excited about this. And again, I'm surprised no one ever used this in a negative campaign ad against him when he was running for governor. But no, sure. <laughs> That would have been perfect. Do you want a man orgasming when he's giving speeches? He should not be our governor. Vote Gray Davis. <laughs> okay, so, so we get this huge montage at the start of the movie with... Arnold is just a god. He's he's never lost a bodybuilding competition in seven years. And we just see him training. Like, he's a celebrity. People watch him just to train on the beach. Oh, yeah. He's training on the beach. And you can see Mike Waller in the background just watching him. And everything that he's doing is like max reps where he's doing a massive amount of weight for a small amount of repetitions. So it's it's all for show. This is, this is not going to build your muscle here, but it's definitely showing how strong he is yeah it's funny i was reading some contemporary reviews of this movie and a couple people pointed out they're like i have never seen a niche performer like arnold schwarzenegger who has so much charisma and like this guy is going to be a movie star he's going to be a big deal like they're even calling it in 1975 76 they're like this guy's like bruce lee he's just a niche guy who has so much charisma you can just see it pouring off the screen oh easily um, like when he's posing with the, the three girls for the photo shoot and like, you know, they're, they're teasing him about being strong because he has one of the bending bars and he's, they're like, I thought you were, you know, strong. And he's like, bends it easily. Yeah. There's another scene where he goes to a prison. There's this federal prison. What was up with that? 
Yeah, I don't know why they're bringing bodybuilders to pose in a prison, but all the prisoners are like in awe of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, and he kisses a chick and then, you know, laughs it off that you just probably never had a kiss in years. And one of the black guys goes, I want to kiss too, and he tells him later. <laughs> and everybody just laughs and chuckles about it. And um, the same two black gentlemen later, you know, talk about his physique and his body, and they've never seen anything like him. And I've never seen a talking, you know, a, a bodybuilder posing at a damn prison ever. <laughs> Yeah, that, that seems like an odd thing. But anyway, that that's how big a deal Arnold is at this time. They're bringing him into prisons to pose for the prisoners. They have him. He's like teaching people. He's a mentor. He's like instilling morale for those prisoners. Don't be sad you're in prison. Do bodybuilding. If you get strong enough, you can beat up the guards and escape. I know. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so, yeah, but Arnold's just a mentor, a teacher. We see him giving inspirational speeches to people. And again, this is a decade before he's really a movie star. You have to, you really have to see this to see what a big deal Arnold is. And from here, we're gonna. We, I think we. This is where we segue into the first of the competitions, where we see one of Arnold's little uh, proteges, Mike Katz. Yes, Mike Katz, and um, we move on to um, Mountain Park Amusement Park in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I first thought it was a carnival because of like the Calliope music. Mm-hmm. But um, they always have a bodybuilding competition there at uh, Mountain Park with at the end of summer, which I didn't know at the time. But um, I was like, that's fascinating because, like, like we've, we've been talking about, this is so niche. Bodybuilding is not mainstream. Yeah, certainly not in 1975. No. So we meet Mike Katz, who's a history high school um, teacher, and he tells us his backstory about how he was, um, his own words, a little nerdy fat Jew kid. Um, and that he was picked on and bullied. And so every time that he felt bad at school, he would exercise. And then he became a famous football player with the Jets and he had an injury, but he overcame his insecurities through bodybuilding. Yeah. Okay. So there's really two showdowns in this movie. We're going to get Arnold against Lou Ferrigno later. That's the big one. This is the first one. We're going to see this really nice guy, Mike Katz. Like Lizzie said, overcame a lot of just getting picked on, being bullied, and he's a really nice little family man, and he's trying his best in this Mr. Universe. This is his first Mr. Universe, I think, or has he been in it for a while? No, he was loser 72, 73, 74. Okay, so a three-time loser. So anyway, this is his big moment, and we follow this guy. He's like the hero of the story, and he's going to go up against his arch rival, this guy Ken Waller. Yes. Um, I also want to like talk about Mike Katz and how he looked. Okay, go for it. Imagine blonde comb over with mutton chops. <laughs> he did not have a good 70s look. I mean... <laughs> now, let's be honest. Was there a good 70s look? Yes, but this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite. Yeah, because like, you know, he could have looked like, you know, one of the Cassidy's. But, you know, or a beach even, but no, you can clearly see that he's got a blonde, a bleach blonde comb over. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, perhaps the not, not the most handsome man around, but he has a very sympathetic story. And as we go into our first showdown of the movie, Mike Katz is the good guy. Ken Waller will be the bad guy. This will be repeated later with Arnold, but we in the, we get a little shorter version of here here at the start. So his competition, Ken Waller, um, is playing football with his mates and he's taught bad talking uh, Mike Katz and saying that, you know, he's going to prank him and that, you know, he's a weakling and that his arms are underdeveloped compared 
Mike Katz's arms are underdeveloped in comparison to Mike Wall- Ken Waller's body. Yeah, it, it's funny you said the pranking. Now, I did not know this before I started watching this movie. Apparently, pranking is a huge problem in bodybuilding competitions. Seems to be. <laughs> yeah, we will see it twi- twice in this movie. Taking people's, you know, items when they're on stage and then, you know, hiding them from them. It's so juvenile. It's something like, you know, a, 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 a primary school kid would do. <laughs> so, so silly. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the drama in this movie is that the good guy will go up and pose. And when he's posing, the bad guy's doing something behind the scenes to fuck with him and mess with his head. <laughs> that's what literally happens in this first scene where Ken Waller takes Mike Katz's shirt and Mike gets all frustrated about it. It, like it's just silly it's you know it's it's the most juvenile stuff <laughs> although i read somewhere that this was all staged for the camera did you read that oh yes it was just to up the drama okay so i'll i'll set it up and you explain the real story so as we see in the movie we see these two guys uh mike katz and ken waller getting ready for the mr universe and ken waller's laughing with his buddies he's like i'm gonna mess with him i'm gonna take his stuff and all his buddies are laughing and then during the competition ken waller takes mike katz's shirt it throws off his con his uh concentration and we're meant to believe that literally costs mike katz the competition later where the evil ken waller wins that's not going to make you lose a competition. Yeah. It's going to make you angry and feel stupid. But at this particular junction, there's more fun 70s music that's similar to like the murder mystery. It's the the evil chime. <laughs> and like it, it's there and you're like, why is this in this? It, it just adds to the fact that this is fake. Okay, well, go into the fakeness because that I read that whole football scene with Waller and his buddies was all shot later and added into the movie. Yeah, I had I had seen that too in the um the raw iron film. Okay, yeah. So this guy, so they make up this whole subplot that Ken Waller is going to sabotage his friend, and it's all fake. But anyway, it makes for good drama. Although I read that Ken Waller later regretted filming these scenes because people would boo him at bodybuilding competitions, and he got mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he de- he deeply regretted it because he didn't want to be a villain. He just wanted to um, be a good sportsman and show you know bodybuilding, but the way that Mike Katz supports him later on at the competition is the, is the person being the better sportsman. Yeah. That seems legitimately sad where Mike Katz loses to Waller and you can just see him behind the scenes. He's lost like four in a row now. And he's like, you know, uh, I'm not a quitter. I'll keep coming back. I'm like a dog that gets kicked. And then you hear them announce Waller, the winner and Katz like, good for him. I'm so happy for my friend. And it's like a legitimately sad scene. Oh yeah, he 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 looks deeply re, you know rejected. There's it's so sad, and he he talks about he wants to call his wife and kids and wonders what time it is in back in Connecticut. Now, did you ever meet Mike Katz or Ken Waller? Um, Mike Katz was at a venue. I never met him. Never met Ken Waller. Did Ken Waller ever take your shirt? No. Okay, so that's really the setup. That's the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie where Mike Katz losing to Ken Waller at the Mr. Universe. Now we're going to flash forward to the entire rest of the movie, the main event, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger against the upstart young challenger Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, the the focus, you know, on Arnold, and um, he's at a photo shoot, like I'd said, with the, the girls, and it's, you know, cheesy and fabricated for plot. And then we 
Arnold then goes into this long monologue about how he was always fascinated with dictators and Jesus, people, you know, who were remembered for thousands of years. And if, you know, looking back on that, yeah, we're going to remember Arnold for thousands of years, but it, it won't really be for bodybuilding. It'll be for like Terminator and the governor, but <laughs> Mary Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to see Arnold at this age because he knows he's going to be a huge celebrity one day. And he's already a celebrity in bodybuilding. He knows he's going to go be even bigger. You can see it in his eyes. And I love he again, this whole movie is just Arnold quote machines, just these amazing things he's reeling off for the cameras. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Like I said, you know, respecting dictators. Really, is it something you're sh- saying if you're coming from Austria? <laughs> <sighs> Don't speak of the war. I love the point at one point they, they mentioned that Arnold's dad was a police chief and Arnold wanted to grow up to be a police officer. Yeah, so literally we get to play the game of Arnold of who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> well, being that his father was in uh, the police force, he had to be a good kid. So coming to America, he did get to changed you know he got to act out got to be somebody different than what he had been you know for his formative growing years yeah okay for people who don't know arnold's backstory yeah he goes into it in this movie that his dad was a police officer they grew up in a very a very disciplined household rules had to be followed no humor just very strict hard working so arnold was allowed to let loose a little when he came to america and yeah he's <laughs> he i always forget how funny he is in this movie which is trash, though, because he actually – this is one of those made-up contrived stories that he, everything's so strict. That wasn't real? No, no. His parents fully supported his bodybuilding and loved everything that he ever did. Arnold lied to us. Damn it. He was absolute gold to his parents. He could have done no wrong. <laughs> okay, here's a great quote I just wrote down. I'm looking at my notes where someone says, Arnold, do you drink milk? And he's like, no milk. Milk is for babies. When you grow up, you drink beer. Yes, that's a beautiful one where the person's trying to hand them that painting of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but Arnold is just, again, the only word I could use is he is a god to these people. People follow him. They follow his every word. He sits down for interviews. He's always the star. And now, and again, this is so close to the King of Kong. I can't believe I never saw this parallel before. There's like in King of Kong and they have the interview with Billy Mitchell, the Donkey Kong King. And he's like, you know, if my life is so great, then there's obviously some chump out there whose the life is just putting the screws to him. And with that, we cut to Lou Ferrigno, his challenger. Yes. Um, poor little Lou back in New York. Uh, he had an infection as a child and lost his hearing. And that, that caused bullying. Yeah, so Lou Ferrigno, for people who don't know, he was a star TV star in the 70s. He was in The Incredible Hulk, one of my favorite a- actors when I was a kid. Just this big, huge, menacing-looking guy. Perhaps not the brightest guy in the world. And as we learn in this movie, he's deaf, he's hard of hearing. He comes from a very uh, fairly disadvantaged background. And we learn a lot about him and his family here, his parents. Yeah, wasn't his dad also a police officer? Exactly. His dad was also a police officer, just like Arnold. Yeah, that bo- both both main characters um, have police officer fathers, but his dad retired to help Lou um, train. Yeah, so Lou Ferrigno, Louie, he'll be called Louie throughout the movie, is the biggest bodybuilder in the history of the competition. He's 6'5", almost 300 pounds, 
way bigger than Arnold. And then he's like the first legitimate challenger to Arnold's title of Mr. Olympia. And this is going to cause great bit of concern to Arnold that he does not like competition. No. Um, but Louis, this is his first competition on this scale. So what he looks like, what he has to offer and show is unknown to Arnold. So he can, you know, size up his competition like Franco and Waller and Katz. But Ferrigno is unknown to him. It's an unknown variable. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that causes the uh, drives the story in this movie that Louis is the biggest thing to ever come into bodybuilding. Arnold doesn't really know him. And Arnold is uh, there's stories in the paper that Arnold will finally be taken down by this young Louis Ferrigno. And uh, <laughs> so talk about Louis's family and his training sequences with his dad. The training sequences with his dad are in this run-down gym in comparison to the shiny gold's gym of California. Um, the equi equipment isn't as nice. And his dad just tells him to keep doing it and keep doing it. No matter what Lou does, it's not good enough to his father. Yeah, the dynamic with Louis and his dad is really interesting. Although I read that was kind of fabricated for the movie too, correct? 100%. His dad loved him no matter what, but Lou was soft-spoken and shy and wasn't quick on the quips like Arnold is. So his dad was filling in that airspace of, you know, talking because you just couldn't have just static images of Lou bodybuilding. His father was filling in the space and making it more. Okay. And I think I read somewhere that his dad didn't really train with him. Louis did most of the training on his own, but for the movie, they introduced the dad as more of a trainer. Right. Because that's like, you know, the Rocky sort of thing where you, you have the, 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 the weather general training you to do good for the underdog. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Rocky because if people have, have not seen Pumping Iron before, this is very much like Rocky three here where, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the big star training on Venice Beach with all the lights and the glitter and the music. And then we cut to this dingy gym and there's poor Louie all by himself with his dad. Nobody around him. Nobody cares. It's really just like the, the setup of Rocky three of uh, of uh, Rocky Balboa against Clubber Lang. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but poor Louie, you could not have a more sympathetic underdog than little Louie Ferrigno. Agreed. <laughs> Now, what makes him so sympathetic? I'm trying to paint a picture for people who have not, maybe not seen this before. Um, the fact that he, he looks browbeaten by his father, mm -hmm. uh, that he's, he lacks confidence that Arnold has, that other bodybuilders have. Uh, he doesn't feel good enough. In the raw iron extra footage, he said he didn't really want to do bodybuilding so much. He wanted to do Hollywood. He wanted to be the Hulk, and he followed his dream, and you know that happened for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lou actually has a pretty happy story later. But in this movie, nothing is happy for Louis Ferrigno. No. Arnold threatens later that he's going to date his sister. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Arnold is going to drink this guy's fucking milkshake so hard in this movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so we have Arnold again, the biggest thing ever in bodybuilding. This poor guy, Louis Ferrigno, whose dad trains him whose dad has to build up his confidence, whose death, I have to add, we have to keep pointing that out, Louis can't hear, and Arnold will just, you know, mock the shit out of this guy all the way up to the competition in an, in an attempt to rattle his confidence. Oh, yeah, because he's not catching half the stuff 
Arnold is saying because he is a lip reader. I've, 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 I've read that somewhere or seen it. And Arnold keeps turning his head away and he talks loudly and then he talks quietly when he doesn't want, when he really doesn't want Lou to hear. So he's not playing fairly, even on the, the talking aspect of life. Yeah, Arnold is such a dick in this movie. And again, it, you, you can make you hate him or it can make you love him even more because Arnold is so single-minded in his pursuit of greatness and championshipness. And he will destroy Louis at every opportunity. And although at this point we still see Louis and his dad, and, and, and again, Louis's bigger than Arnold, right? He's a much bigger bodybuilder. Oh, yeah. Um, like you said, you know, Arnold's 6'2", uh, at the time, like, 2, what, 240, 250? Something like that, yeah. And then Lou's 6'5", um, like, nearly like 260, 270. So he's Taller, for one. That's that's threatening to dudes. And he's bigger. Yeah, and the dad, Louis, Louis' dad will always point out, you're bigger than Arnold. I don't care how many times Arnold has won Mr. Olympia. Louis, you're bigger than him. Stand next to him. When you get to South Africa, pose next to him as often as you can just to remind people you're bigger than him. So the dad is really working on Louis' self-confidence. Oh, yeah, they, they, they talk about David and Goliath, but they're just two Goliaths. <laughs> So here we go. So we're leading up to the big competition. Again, Louis just won Mr. Universe. So he is qualified to challenge Arnold for Mr. Olympia. This is Arnold's last competition. He's won five in a row. This would be his sixth. And I think this is the scene where we get someone asks him, someone asks Arnold, like, what are you going to say to Louis when you meet him for the first time? Or like, I, I'm going to go train with Louis, Arnold. What should I t tell him? So Arnold starts giving helpful advice. Oh, say hi to your mother for me, which made me think of Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say hi to your mother for me. Um, he says that he needs help because one of the um, Venice bodybuilders is going to New York to help Lou um, spot train. And he's like, oh, he needs help. You should go and help him. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Arnold is very, very benevolent here. He's like, you know, when you go to visit Louie in New York, be very nice to him. Just say I said hi. Be very friendly because he needs a lot of help. <laughs> Not even, not even threatened. No, Arnold is just—I remember this whole scene. Arnold's laying on the grass. He's like half asleep. He's like, just tell him, tell him hi, and that he needs a lot of help. Like Arnold's not even concerned about Louis in the slightest. Although here's a quote. Here's a quote that I love. Where uh, I think it's Franco. Is it Franco Colombo who's sitting there with him? Mm-hmm. With Arnold and Franco says, "You know, Arnold, the wolf on top of the hill is not as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill. Remember that." And just right off the top of his head, Arnold says, that's true. But when he wants food, the one at the top of the hill knows where the food is. That, that is a really good one. Yes. <laughs> okay. So here we go. So back to Louis training in uh, New York. And he's, he, he's like single-minded in his focus. He's going to beat Arnold. He's like, he's got like a mantra. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. And he has a little fan section around him and a cheering section cheering him on. Yeah, and they're like, you know, Arnold is like his, the, the word he says for pumping in the, you know. <laughs> He's like, Arnold, Arnold. You can just see the young underdog, Louie, and you're starting to cheer for him. He's cheering, Arnold, I'm going to beat him, Arnold. Okay, so here we go. Leading up to the final competition. Again, this is only an hour, 20-minute movie. We're already like an hour into the movie here. Yes, we got to wrap it up with um, the Mr. Universe. I'm sorry, the Mr. Olympia. Yeah, we'll get to the Mr. Olympia competition, but first we're going to go through some quotes here where Arnold explains basically his theory on life. And this is the stuff that I think is really important for people to hear if you love Arnold. 
Talk about the pain barrier. Um, but I don't remember the quote exactly, but if you're talking about where it is, if you can't work past the pain, you don't deserve it. Is that what? Yeah, it's basically uh, where he says, you know, everybody can do 10 reps on uh, weight. It's the 11th and the 12th where you actually build the muscle, but that's actually where the pain comes in. So he says, champions can break through the pain barrier, non-champions cannot. And the thing that separates Arnold from all other bodybuilders is he's like, I'm not afraid to throw up. I'm not afraid to pass out in the gym. That's just what you have to do if you're a champion. You have to lose that fear. Yes, he talks about vomiting all the time. <laughs> so Arnold's talked about coming and vomiting so far. Yes, and he also um, talks about his dynamic with Franco Colombo and how, you know, Franco looks up to him. Of course, he has to, you know, the height difference, ha, ha, ha. But um, he also goes on to say, that, like, you know, I'm his father. You know, everything that Franco knows is because of me. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go back to that for a second, because that's one of my favorite things in this movie. So Franco Colombo is Arnold's best friend in the world, correct? Yes. Widely respected bodybuilder, maybe number two in the world after Arnold. Well, he was a famous Italian boxer first from Sardinia. And they have a, a moment of him lifting a car just to show off how strong he is and blowing up a hot water bottle. Um. But for someone who's supposed to be an equal, because they're in two different size competitions, um, there's tall man and short man group versus, you know, a, uh, a weight class. This is how they had divvied them up back then. So they wouldn't have to compete against each other initially. They could each separately win their own divisions. And then for the overall would, is where who would be the, the top. Okay. Yeah. So at some point, Franco will challenge arnold for mr olympia even though they're in different classes correct and this is where we get the great quote where arnold again remember he's talking about his best friend in the world arnold says i love franco he's a good bodybuilder he's a good friend but in competition i'm his daddy <laughs> like who's your daddy bitch who's your daddy what does he do he looks like a child next to me i tell him what to do he's my child <laughs> So here we go. We're going to get into the last preparations for this big Mr. Olympia showdown, which is going to be Arnold against Louis Ferrigno. And this is where we get uh, Louis' dad is showing Louis how to pose with the look at your arms. I love this scene. Oh, yes. Look at your arms. You know, look down. Look at both arms. Look left. Look right. Then slowly bring them up. Look at the audience and then flex, you know, show them how awesome you are. And Louis has to go through it like three or four times. It's like, look at your arms. He looks at one. No, look at both of them. He looks at one, then the other slowly. Then bring them up. He brings them up. He's like, look at the audience. Doesn't look up. And so it's like, no, let's do it again, over and over again. So I, I don't know if he was actually daft and <laughs> wasn't paying attention, didn't hear the directions, or again, if this was just staged. I love if you pay attention to later in the movie, Louis never actually gets that pose correct. Nope, he doesn't. And he holds his wrists weird for me as far as bodybuilding goes. He he weakens. I can't remember if it's his left or his right wrist when he that when he brings up into the in one of the six poses. He holds one of his wrists wrong, hmm. which more than likely you know were, were points deducted. Did you? I'm gonna go a little off ta off topic here. Did you ever see Louis on the Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump? Yes, I did, and I felt sorry for him then too. Yeah, okay, for uh, for people who may not know, Louis Ferrigno, really nice guy, apparently, probably not the brightest guy in the world, was on Celebrity Apprentice, and like Lizzie said, 
I felt bad for him on there because it was clear the other players were so much smarter than him. Yeah, they weren't giving him, you know, they were treating him like he wasn't an active participant in the games and like, you know, the competitions for, you know, the the, the things that were happening each week. But they were sidelining him intentionally. Yeah, it, it was really kind of tough to watch. And it's it's it makes watching Pumping Iron a little more sad to watch when you realize that Louie just doesn't get taken seriously by people. No. I remember he would always have a quote. I give 110%. I give 110%. And everyone would just make fun of him because that was like his cliche to answer to everything. Uh, have you ever seen the TV show Con Man? I have never seen that one. Why? Oh, okay. Well, he has an episode. Um, it's free on Prime now at the moment uh, where he and Alan Tudyk are at a convention and he's trying to convince Alan to be in his off-Broadway musical production of Of Mice and Men, written by Lou Ferrigno. So, uh, and just wild guess, he's going to be Lenny, right? <laughs> well, at first, <laughs> you know, um, he's going against the grain, and Alan has to explain, you know, no, I really think you'd be better suited as a different character. And he's like, you know, why would I be the, you know, the the hulking size of a bear person. And he's Alan's just staring at him. He's like, I wonder why you would be the hulking size of a bear character <laughs> who squishes things. But the musical's absolute gold. So I highly recommend watching uh, Con Man for that episode. All right. I have to look into that now because I, I, I have always loved Lou Ferrigno. I find him charming. But yeah, he's so over his head in this movie against Arnold. And it's, it's just ugly. I met him at a convention, actually. He's one of the other people I've met, Lou Ferrigno. Mm -hmm. And he is deeply the kindest, sweetest person. He takes time with the fans. He poses. He, you know, will intently listen to your stories. Super genuine, nice fella. Yeah, I have always heard that. You're not the first person who I've heard say that, that he is just a really nice, genuine person who never was affected by celebrity. No, no, no. Genuine fella. In fact, I, th I think I remember reading, like, even as this movie's going on in 1975, Lou Ferrigno's not making enough money from bodybuilding to support himself. On the side, he's still like a sheet metal worker or something. Correct, yes. So this guy is absolute blue collar, you know, mm -hmm. you know, heart of gold, working class against Arnold, who is the biggest thing ever. And it's really not going to end nicely. And it's going to start here. This is the night before the Mr. Olympia competition where we get a big quote from Arnold, where Arnold sits down and gives an interview and basically explains to the interviewer how he's going to psychologically destroy Lou Ferrigno in South Africa. Yeah, he's going to invite him up to his room and um, party with him and get him completely wasted so that when it's competition time, you know, his head's not in the game, his body, you know, doesn't have the, he's retaining water, that sort of things where he won't be performing his best. <laughs> But Lou doesn't want to have anything to do with that. He doesn't want to party. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Arnold, again, just if you want to get a, a view into the psyche of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the ultimate competitor, where he says, basically, you have to do everything possible to win, no matter what. So, before a competition, he'll seek out his biggest competition. He'll get in their head. He'll start talking about how they're not in shape, how, you know, if we if we held this maybe in a month, you might be in better shape, but right now you're not ready. I don't know, I don't know why you showed up here. And then he says, people always come to me for advice. I love giving bad advice. It's an easy thing to do. The screaming. So Arnold goes into this story about how he was giving advice to a fellow competitor in Germany 
that he'd learned some new moves in America about as you're posing, you know, if your hands are low, you do a low scream. And as you raise your arms up, you do a deeper, higher scream. And the guy's like, oh, really? Never thought of that. And so the gentleman goes out on stage and he's making the stupid screamy noises and they drag him off. <laughs> and of course, the dude lost. Not like, you know, sent everybody up to fail. Yeah, so that is Arnold Schwarzenegger, the competitor in a nutshell. If you threaten him at all, he will do whatever he can to psychologically destroy you and fuck with you and give you advice that that will get you kicked out of the competition. <laughs> and yeah, this is where the quote, we get the quote where the interviewer says, well, that might work on Louis because Louis not that smart. That would never work on Franco Colombo. And, and Arnold says, yeah, he's pretty smart, but he's a child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it shows later that the person who ended up in the hotel room, you know, passed out with Arnold was Franco, not Louie. <laughs> so who's the smart one there? <laughs> yeah, Arnold, again, is such a bastard, but he's such a likable bastard in this because he's so well-spoken and he's always good for a good sound bite. And I know Arnold said later he was embellishing a lot of this for the cameras because he knew the movie would need drama. Yes, uh, he told a story about how he doesn't like to lose focus before a competition, you know, doesn't have sex, doesn't, you know, um, you know, watch movies or TV. It's just exercise and train, train, train. And then um, he got a call from his mother that his father had died. And he was like, oh, that's sad. I'm not going to go back for the funeral, which caused a great, you know, rift between him and his mother. And, you know, if you hear this story, you're like, wow, what a cold hearted bastard. But it was not his own story. That was some other dude's story. <laughs> it's like Seinfeld. He bought that story off Jay Peterman. He did. He did. <laughs> um, it also makes me think of the Saturday Night Live episode with Phil Hartman and Miranda Richardson, where it was right after the crying game. So that lets you know what time period of SNL. Mm -hmm. Phil Hartman's asking Miranda, how, you know, how can, how can she just bring tears so quickly? And she's like, well, I think about, you know, when my father died and his, well, we were in the car accident and his head was in my lap and all I could say was, I'm okay, daddy. And then Phil Hartman starts crying and then it cuts to um, Phil Hartman winning the Academy Award. And the, they're like, well, you know, how did you, you know, bring that emotion and the tears to the scene? He's like, I thought about my dad's head in my lap and it made me sad. <laughs> Where you take someone else's story and up it for the drama, but you totally missed the point. <laughs> But again, Arnold knows it's all about show business, that the, the story is better than the truth. He knows that. Yes. Okay. So let's get to the the actual Mr. Olympia competition. Here we go. This is the big highlight of the movie where Louis Ferrigno, the young upstart out of New York, has been training his whole life, wants to knock Arnold off his throne. Arnold is there trying to defend his title for the sixth and final time. And it starts with a breakfast where... It looks like the Ferrignos have invited Lou, uh, Arnold to eat breakfast with them. Correct. They've been there for about a week. Um, this year's Mr. Olympia is in Pretoria, South Africa, at the height of apartheid. So the event and the hotel and all the restaurants had to be specially sanctioned venues that would allow both white and black competitors, mm -hmm. which comes into play later with Serge Newbert. Um, but they've been there for about a week and nobody in the Ferrigno camp have been hanging out with Arnold. <laughs> and so he kind of feels insulted at this brunch. 
And he's, you know, teasing, you know, Lou's mom and flirting with her and teasing Lou's dad and talking about, you know, bodybuilding. And like you had said that, he, you know, Lou needs more time. He's not ready. And Lou's just sitting there eating, not paying him a lick of his mind. Yeah, Lou has no retorts for any of this. He's just this sad, you know, first time he's all overwhelmed. He's a little nervous. And Arnold is just digging into him, like, mercilessly. Yeah, and they say they they, t- they ask Arnold to not come into their training room later, so they won't distract them. Okay, let's go do some Arnold quotes here. Like you said, he uh, says, "Oh, Louis, you know you look real good, but if you'd given maybe another another month of training, you'd be ready for this. You're not quite ready for today, but you know what? What a good." accomplishment this would be for you you know you're not going to win mr olympia but you won mr universe twice that's pretty good you should be proud of yourself louis yeah totally you know getting into his head trying to make him feel inferior <laughs> and louis's dad can see what arnold's doing he's like you know you're the nicest guy they don't come any nicer than you arnold you're the king of kings and arnold's just laughing <laughs> and arnold arnold's like can you imagine if i won six in a row what a feeling i'd have six mr olympias like can you imagine how on top of the world i'd feel and this is where the dad's like arnold please don't come train with us tonight <laughs> <laughs> and arnold gives louis's dad some advice louis stressed He's tensed. Like, calm him down. He's not ready. Make sure he's calmed down. He's, I can see it in his eyes. He's, he's, he's panicking. So Arnold is just playing with this poor kid. Surprising he didn't offer him pot. Oh, no, the pot comes later. Oh, yes. It's a bit surprising he didn't offer it then <laughs> to try to derail him. Okay, so we're, we get all this footage of Arnold just being a total bastard to the Ferrignos, and now we get the actual judging. Now... I, I assume it's the same way today. They, When the audience comes and they judge the bodybuilders, that's not the actual judging. The judging is done the night before in the pre-judging. Correct, yes. There's pre-judging. Um, nobody talks. You, the audience will, if there is, you know, people, the other competitors in the audience and the media and the press are not allowed to talk. The pre-judging happens. There's um, six compulsory poses. And then there's the free show now where they have like a dance routine where they show off you know, other skills they have, gymnastics, where they can pose more freely versus the compulsory posing, which is the audience part later. Okay, so here in the pre-judging, we see all the competitors up there posing for the judges, and surprisingly, Arnold has not got Louis to scream as loudly as he can when he poses. (laughs) No, no, Louis wasn't going to fall for the screaming. But then going back to his posing that we had seen earlier, he wasn't doing it right. Yeah, okay, this is the pose where the dad says, Louie, look down at your arms. Look at your arms in awe. Like, I can't believe these arms are so amazing. Then hold them up and smile. And Louie never, ever gets that pose correct. No. (laughs) (laughs) But the dad even is in Louie's ear. He's like, don't do it this way. You get back wrinkles. Don't do this pose. So the dad is really coaching Louie. And Louie is so nervous because he wants to beat Arnold. But it's just not going to happen. You know it's not going to happen. But this is where we get all these other guys, too. You said the, the, the guy from France? Yeah, Serge Nubray. Okay, yeah. You know these names. I don't. Yeah, he's a famous French bodybuilder um, of the 70s. He also did television and movies in France and Europe. Um, and he's one of the like five or six competitors for 75, where the reason why they had to have the separate venue because of apartheid. Okay, so that, but that's not shown in the movie, but that was a big subplot. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, people want to read up about that, read up on uh, how they had to change the venue because of apartheid to allow a black competitor into the competition. Well, there's a couple from America, and um, 
then of course Sarge from France. Okay, so we get the under 200-pound competitors. Of course, Franco Colombo, the little guy, wins that one pretty easily. And then we get the, uh, the the bigger guys competing, and this is where we get Louis doing his poses. And I think the dad looks a little disappointed because Louis's not doing it right. Yes, he whispers to the mom in the audience that that's that's wrong, that's wrong. He's going to lose. This is horrible. And then um, Lou leaves the stage, and his dad meets him at the side. He's like, "Oh, you did great. It was fantastic." And you know, like, well, was it good or was it bad? You know, <laughs> he said to one set of people, it's bad. And then you're trying to bolster his, you know, self-esteem here. And then Arnold poses and he's fantastic. Yeah, I got I got to say, I love every other competitor. Here's Lou Ferrigno. Here's Serge Newberg. And then for Arnold, it's like, here he is, the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, they just treat him so much differently than any other competitor. Oh, yeah, they, they know he was the golden child because he was making, you know, magazines and everybody wanted to, you know, meet, what was he, Hercules in New York? Had he done that yet? If not, it's coming up very quickly. Yeah, he'd maybe have done one movie already. Right. Yeah, they all know he's the future. He's the future. Oh, yeah. The the, the judges know he's he's where it's at. Yeah, so Arnold comes out. Great shot of him. This is Arnold in full bodybuilding peak form, just glaring at the crowd, doing his little Terminator glare. (laughs) And then at one point he turns to a female photographer and blows her a kiss and winks at her. Yeah, Arnold was getting a lot of action during this time, I would guess. Yes, he was. Although this is where we get the story that you said earlier, where he talks about how to be a champion, you can never have emotions before a competition. You can't be involved with a girl. You can't have a breakup. And this is where he tells the story that he wouldn't even go to his father's funeral, which is really effective in the story, but not true at all. Correct. But a lot of sports people do adhere to this similar mentality of don't have the distractions until after the competition. Oh, yeah. And that's in Rocky as well. I remember Mickey says... Women weaken legs, rock. <laughs> okay, so here we go. They had the big pre-judge pose down, and Arnold is the big golden god. And now we get the final events basically at night where they bring in the audience, and the audience cheers and hoots and hollers, and it's like a big spectacle for the final pose down. And I, <laughs> I wonder how many of those people they had to pay to be in the audience. <laughs> it seems that there's way too many people that would have been showing up for this. <laughs> I mean, I know it is Mr. Olympia, but there are way too many happy people screaming and yelling in the audience for when each of the competitors come out for the final pose down. Yeah, it's funny because I was reading some of the contemporary reviews from 1977 and they were saying, like, I'm shocked that the audience is like 50 percent male, 50 percent female. Yeah, it would have been mostly dudes. Yeah, that that was the argument. That's what Ebert said. Most chicks, you you know. Like, your wife at the time were like, ooh, that's gross. That's too much muscle. Yeah, and that's what the reviews said, that you would think the audience would be mostly just guys who love bodybuilding, but it's 50% women, and they're like, I don't know any women in the 70s who would have been into bodybuilding. So apparently that was odd. It was. Now, have you ever been to a live event like this in the, as a spectator? Yes, I have. And uh, when um, Kid A's dad competed at the Classic here, like it was the similar thing, the preliminary judging, almost nobody. And then for the final pose down, when they announce who's the winner, your families and friends show up. But even still, there was practically nobody there. <laughs> so it was nothing like this with a huge, loud audience. No, that's why That's why I said, you know, they, these people had to be paid, paid stand-ins. 
they just brought in a bunch of prisoners to watch that would admire them. No, they were probably like just go up and down the streets of Pretoria going, hey, you want to make five? <laughs> well, to be fair, this was Mr. Olympia. I mean, it was the biggest. But right. at the time, this is still kind of a niche niche sport, like you said. And so um, the final winner. So Lou, the underdog, still becomes the underdog. He got third place. <laughs> he didn't even make second. Okay, yeah, I love this. So right before the final pose down in front of the audience, they're in the weight room doing their last pumps, and Arnold is continuing to come in there, apparently. I'm not sure what he's doing. <laughs> but Louie is, like, training and doing these last pumps. and going, er, er. And Arnold's like, you're too loud, Louie. Don't be loud. This should be a library. So even then, Arnold's still fucking with him. Yes. And Arnold's worried that, like, Serge Nubre is going to drop weights on his head. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be training right next to his, you know, rack. <laughs> I would not put it past Arnold to drop weights on somebody's head, to be honest. Oh, 100% no accident, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Arnold is a winner for a reason. It's because everyone else will be destroyed one way or another. <laughs> All right, so here we go. It's the big finale. Like you said, Louis doesn't win. Louis doesn't even finish second, which is a sad thing. Like, Louis's bigger than Arnold, but somehow he just, I think the argument is he's not as defined as the other ones, maybe? Correct. If you look at their symmetry, um, like a triangle, Louis has a great chest and he's got great legs, but his compared to Arnold, his arms were less defined. Yeah. And if we break down, um, there was probably some racial judging going on for Serge becoming in second because he was also much thinner, though, as far as mass of biceps and chest than Arnold. But he had a better symmetry. He had a better triangle shape. Yeah, I was I was saying just as a lay person, when I see them next to each other, Louis clearly not the best next to the other two. Serge is more defined and ripped. Arnold is just massive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Massive all over. Yeah, and he has a tiny a tiny waist, so his proportion looks different. Correct. In fact, I remember reading someday, I just, I was doing some research. I know nothing about bodybuilding, but I was reading that to this day, Arnold is still considered like the ideal physique because of his proportion. Right. Um, prior to filming of this, um, Arnold was in the um, Jeff Bridges movie. Uh, what is it? Uh, Stay Hungry. Yes. And he had to lose a lot of mass so that he didn't look such a freak proportionally to Jeff Bridges. And, you know, other competitors. So prior to this event, Arnold really had slimmed down hmm. in comparison to what he had been in the 74 Mr. Olympia. Okay. Now, I think I remember reading Arnold won six Mr. Olympias. He actually comes back later and wins one, like, what, five years later? Correct, yes. So seven. But there's guys since then who have won eight or ten Mr. Olympias, right? Oh, yes. Um trying to think of... um the two young guys that are always dueling it out. I don't know. You can look it up if you want. I don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, to this day, he's not the most accomplished bodybuilder. There's people that have won more of Mr. Olympia's, but he is still considered the gold standard, the way his body was shaped. People who have won more times are like Ronnie Coleman, um, Lee Haynes. But if you think, when people think Mr. Olympia, people always think Arnold. And this was big Arnold's big crowning achievement. He wins his sixth one in a row. He uh, wins the heavyweight division, then he des destroys the poor little Franco. He becomes his daddy in the overall one, and Arnold wins his sixth one in a row. And then at the end, the crowd goes wild. And this is where Arnold announces his retirement. He will never competitive bodybuild again. 
Yes. Um, Such vanity in that, you know, telling everybody at, you know, Mr. Olympia that he's not coming back, but he does come back in 80. But, you know, letting everybody else have a chance. You know, you can't hog all the prizes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. You listen to this podcast, you think Arnold Schwarzenegger has got to be the most unlikable, scummy, cocky villain you've ever seen, like a Cobra Kai 80s movie villain. <laughs> but he's so charming and likable, you can't help but root for him because he's so good. Oh, agreed. He knows he's perfection. Yeah, he'll tell us. He's perfection. He knows. <laughs> and then after the competition, we see in the backstage, we see Louie with his dad. And the dad's trying his best to cheer up the inconsolable Louie. So, you know... You were just a, a novice against these guys. These guys have been doing this for years. In two years, Louis, you will own this competition. You will be the Arnold. And Louis's like, it'll just make me train harder. And, of course, the sad story is Louis never wins, does he? No, no, no. But it's good to have that possibility for setting up for another film where, you know, he's got the drive, the competition. He's going to come back and do it. But I looked it up, and I was actually kind of surprised about that, that Louis never finishes in the top three ever again in his lifetime. No, he didn't. But in his defense, poor little Louis Ferrigno did get the job as the Incredible Hulk. If you're too young to remember that show, you would know that there was a a superhero show in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. uh, Lou Ferrigno played the Incredible Hulk. I loved that show as a kid. I did too. Yeah, it was a perfect role for Louis because he just had to look big and never talk. Oh, agreed. Yeah. (laughs) And he was scary looking. Yeah, he he was also a comic book fan as a child, so... Like it, like in the um, the raw iron making of humming iron, he talks about how you know he really wanted to be the Hulk and he he followed his dream. He, he didn't want to be Mr. Olympia. Yeah, no, I agree. He was a great Hulk. So this movie kind of ends the way that it should have, I would say. And if you really like pumping iron, there are other pumping iron movies to watch. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get to the, I, I want to talk about that second one. They did one with women, I know, in the mid '80s, Pumping Iron Two. Correct. Yes. But first, let's talk about the final scene in this movie, which is the one that everyone tends to remember. Arnold has won Mr. Olympia for the sixth time in a row. He has retired. And the final scene is him basking in his glory, wearing a shirt that says Arnold is numero uno and toking up on a joint and celebrating. Yes, and um, he gets everybody to sing happy birthday to Lou Ferrigno. (laughs) And then he wants, they all sing, and it's all nice and chummy. And then he asks, um, you know, Lou, say something. And he's like, I just want to eat my cake. <laughs> because you think, well, we've been abstaining from the carbs and the sugars. So I guess he does just really want to eat his cake. <laughs> That's poor Lou. That's his one quip in the whole movie. Yep. I just want to eat cake. I'm going to give 110% to my cake. <laughs> well, supposedly Lou's mom made a really good cheesecake as well because Arnold jokes about it. How, you know, his mother's going to fatten up Arnold now that he's no longer a bodybuilder. Yeah, that does lead us into our last scene that I completely forgot about is them riding on the bus back to the plane. And it's Arnold sitting with Lou's family. And they're like sitting there trying to intimidate one another with the bigger body and laughing. And then Arnold's like, well, this will be all be well and good, but now I'm going to go home and date your sister. Yeah, which is menacing in a way. <laughs> so Arnold will own Lou every single minute of this movie. It's one of these things you got to see to believe. And it just, so much of the legend of Arnold Schwarzenegger is known from the 80s of ni- 80s and 90s. You have to know this part, too, because this part is hilarious. So now we'll talk about the other Pumping Iron movies. You said there were other ones. Oh, yes. Um, there's Generation Iron and Generation Iron 2. 
as well as the direct sequel to Pumping Iron, Pumping Iron 2, which was about women. And that was an absolute flop. Nobody watched that. And it's one of those things it's hard to find. It hasn't even been on things like Tubi. I heard, I was reading about that just this morning, and it said that Pumping Iron 2, the women, is is incredibly unpopular because it's even more unrealistic than this one. Yeah, they, they really drive up the, from the part that I did see on YouTube, they really drive up the catty drama between the women, mm. which there really isn't because when it comes to female bodybuilding, they feel so ostracized from regular females in society so that they do stick together really tightly. So so it's very dishonest in the storytelling. Correct, yeah. It's, it's 100% drama. But it does have a lot in common with this one because they all beat Lou Ferrigno at the end. Of course, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, Pumping Iron, just this uh, weird little niche documentary from the mid to late 70s, which probably would not be remembered today except for the fact that it's got Arnold Schwarzenegger before he was Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's got Lou Ferrigno before he was the Hulk and it's kind of a neat little time capsule of a period in these guys' lives. Oh, exactly. So is there anything else we failed to mention about bodybuilding or uh, the art of bodybuilding in general? Because I know that's kind of your specialty here. No, I think we covered all the bases. <laughs> if you need to research more listeners, uh, definitely Google. Uh... <laughs> Check the IFBB website. Yeah, like I said, this isn't the type of movie that most people would think they'd enjoy, because I know most people probably aren't any bodybuilding. This isn't something I normally talk about on staff picks much, but you have got to see Pumping Iron at least one time in your life just to see the legend of Arnold. It's it's so interesting to watch him before he was all polished and, you know, sympathetic and smart with the way he worded things in this movie he's talking about how he's coming every five minutes so <laughs> it's fun to see early arnold before he realized he might needs a pr team <laughs> he was his own pr team he's a one-man show he's great again i love arnold i love everything about him uh, i he, he have you read his biography oh yeah i own that i also own um quite a few um arnold weightlifting books <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Arnold, just a really fascinating guy. And one day, you know, like in 20, 30 years, he'll die and there'll be all these biographies and specials written about him, talking about how amazing he was. But you should appreciate the guy now. I can't wait for the scathing ones that are like, he was a monster. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there that are still afraid of him that don't want to get sued by him. Agreed. Agreed. Because, you know, all the, the years of being married to a Kennedy, so... That's the thing. When a guy is coming that often, you know bad things are happening. <laughs> I mean, he's practically a Kennedy right there. I mean, no, no wonder he fit right in with, with her family. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he wanted to be a Kennedy. Yeah, I'm sure Ted saw that. And he was like, this guy right here, he's perfect for you. <laughs> he's an inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> True American, right there, a hero. <laughs> okay, well, Lizzie, I want to thank you for joining me on Pumping Iron. I have to say, I'm glad you stepped up because I had a guy who wanted to talk about this movie a long time ago. He was a Arnold Schwarzenegger fan from Europe, and he kept saying he wanted to be on staff picks. And every time I tried to schedule it, he'd like drag his feet. He's like, well, I'm not ready. I'm not sure I'm in the mood today. So eventually I'm like, fuck it. You know, either do it or don't. And so I talked to you. You said, oh, I love bodybuilding. I love that movie. So I'm so happy that I found you. And other the fact that we had to reschedule because of me being sick and not feeling well, but thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for making the sacrifice and coming on to present this unique uh, addition to the Staff Picks Library. Yes.
Thank you. Thank you. All right. Once again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until next time, I'll be out there searching for more movies that deserve more love, and I'll be pumping up every five minutes in ecstasy out of thinking about it. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Arnold Schwarzenegger is bad for California. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people. So I'm coming day and night. Is this the kind of man you want as your governor? So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> Vote Gray Davis. Paid for by Gray Davis has never come on anything.